Am, am I, I, am I, am I, I on? No. No? That one just takes so long to warm up. How about now? There we go. You're like, you have to hear from this guy again? He's just singing. In some churches, they sing their sermons, which I'm going to do this morning for you all. My teenagers are like, please no. It's a new series called Payday. I have my Payday up here. I grabbed my own because I knew by the time the service was over, these would be gone. So grab a, grab a candy bar and save a diabetic's life. We're going to start off with Payday here. It's a new series on a new year. And excited about this, but a little bit of just a background is that part of what we do here requires finances. And so for the next three weeks, I'm excited to delve into finances and looking at three chapters from Luke. And the book of Luke kind of coincides with where we were going initially. There's going to be some give and take as we go forward, as we always do. There's some changes happening. If you got one of those sheets, that's not going to be exactly how we're going to do it. But, you know, we already printed it and we're going to reprint it. So this this is an opportunity as we go forward, a little background. Um, And I want to also update us that December was one of the strongest giving months that E3 has had in years. I, I, we sent out a letter, we sent out several different information saying we were quite a bit behind, and I was going to grab a bottle of ketchup because I feel like we have caught up in some sense, but also not to take the foot off the gas at the same time, that we are still in need, we are still behind due to our budget. So next, in, not next week, in two weeks after service, we'll have an owner's meeting to give an update on that. So in January 15th, following the gathering, we will have that owner's meeting and we uh, definitely would love for you to come there and we can get more into the details, into the weeds. This morning, though, I want you to connect a little bit as we turn the calendar to 2023. What are your goals? What are your goals for 2023? Find somebody you've maybe not met before, welcome them to E3, and then share your answer to this online. Now's your chance to chat in. You have about a minute. You got to walk around. It's time to stretch your legs. Find somebody you've not met before and welcome to E3. I'm giving lead time. There's some of us who have long goals. So there's some long goals out here. This is good. This is really good. I'm excited to hear and see the connection happening. Uh, hopefully, you've also chatted in online. What are your goals for the new year? And I was supposed to say this, and I forgot. I don't have any goals is an okay response. Some of us don't have goals for the upcoming year, and that's an appropriate response. That's a response you could share with somebody else. Traditionally, New Year's-ish sermons, this one just happens to fall on on January one. Focus around these kind of verses from Proverbs 16. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Proverbs 16, in your hearts, humans place their course, but the Lord establish their steps. Or Proverbs 19, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And those are great sermons. But this morning, I'd like to go a little different course and connect us into 2023 in a vast and more maybe challenging way, our past, our present, and our future. And thanks to those who attended with us on our Christmas Eve service, if you look to the past, present, and future of Christmas Eve. So my question this morning for us truly is, how many of our goals involved Jesus? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I didn't think about that. I kind of passed your tricks to you, you know, the Sunday school question, and the answer is always Jesus. 
How many of your goals involve Jesus? I was working with a person who has been chatting with me over the past couple of weeks looking to read the Bible in a year. That's a good, hard goal. And there are actually Bibles that are structured that way. It's some boring reading when you get through Leviticus, just to be <laughs> up front with you all. But this, this idea of having a goal that centers around my discipleship, my connection to Jesus, is something we all need to maybe take heed of. The challenge is if you follow Christ, and more on this in a moment, you don't get a huge payday necessarily. Some of us do get huge paydays and we're a follower of Christ. And some of us says, I'm waiting still for my huge payday. You don't get rewards. You don't get a trophy when you become a follower of Jesus. You might get a baptism t-shirt, but not a trophy. You don't get accolations saying, oh, look at me. I'm following Christ. I get this reward. No, it's about the life to come. And that sort of delayed payday can be disorienting for some people. There's a famous theologian named Pascal. And Pascal had this idea, it's called Pascal's Wager. And Pascal was a bit of a drunk and a bit of a gambler. He's still a Christian. And he had this idea that if I bet all that I have on this life and live a frivolous life full of gambling and drinking, my reward in the next life is nothing. So that's his, his wager. The other wager is if I put everything in terms of Christ and follow Christ and give up my sinful ways, so to speak, then my reward is what? Everlasting life. And as a good gambler, he hedged his bet and he gave up his way of life and took on Christ, saying that I needed to put in and pay for the life to come, not just this life. The challenge of following Christ in this idea of Pascal's wager is you get something in the life to come and not necessarily in this life. And it just so happens that Jesus agrees with me on that. For these biblical scholars in the room, this sermon series is, happens to follow along Luke 14, 15, and 16 over the next three weeks. It just happens to be that way. But it's not necessarily an exegetical sermon where you're getting into the meat, understanding the culture, understanding what the verses are saying. This is a sermon series on payday, on our finances. And if you haven't noticed, 2022 was a little bit hard on those finances. Amen? Yeah, that was a, a sad amen. I'm allowed that one. Amen. Yeah. 2022 was hard. What we want to understand is how do I invest both in the life to come and also be careful with my life right here, right now. Now, the next sermon series on Jonah will be an exegetical sermon. So those who are like their Bible scholarship, just keep with us over the next three weeks. Now, some of the items are still applicable, of course, as we get into 2023. And, and if we look at Luke 14, that'll be both looking into the text and also understanding it from the financials perspective. So with that in mind, Let's look at Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Boy, Jesus sounds a little bit cranky here. I think he, I think he missed, like, breakfast. I mean, he is just, this, that last verse, can you put that last verse back up there, Phoenix? Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Ooh. I mean, that's just kind of a slap to the face, kind of like a jerk, almost like a teenage girl who can't travel in odd numbers because they just can't even. I've been waiting a year and a half to tell that in a sermon. And January 1, I'm like, this is it. This is my year. My New Year's resolution goal is done now. I, I accomplished it. 
Yeah, so you can only go up from here. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate the heckling on that one. I needed that. And all honesty, back to the serious now, he is turning from inclusivity and popular teaching to, to unpopular challenging teaching. Jesus has made enemies in this section of his, of his following where all these Pharisees and all these Sadducees are trying to trick him and trap him, and it is constant. You look at, at most of the Gospels, it is these Pharisees trying to figure out who he is and what his goal is because he's removing their power source. He's changing all the rules of the game, and they don't like it. Nobody does when you change the rules of the game. This idea that Jesus says, hate your life, lose your life, hate your brothers and sisters and wives and all these other people is not jive with the rest of his teaching where he says, love your neighbor and love yourself. In fact, Jesus is saying things to these enemies that earlier in the chapter, he's actually guessed at one of these Pharisees' houses. See, Jesus' inner circle came from dumb fishermen, several outcasts, the unclean, lepers, and other outsiders in the realm of society. So here he calls about them all, and he drives a line in the sand, saying it is not, that this is not the norm, excuse me, for Jesus insists and shows that love another fully through him first. I use this all the time in marital counseling, where you have a husband and a wife, and there are two points, and there's a line between of connection, but that line sometimes gets a little bit askew, right? Sometimes people get into trouble. And this idea that this, this line gets broken all the time can only find a third point in God, and it makes a triangle. And this idea that a husband and wife who are both following God have a connection to God, even when their connection to each other will falter, can keep them together through any storm. This idea of the cross, everyone knew what this would mean. Even the Roman general Verus, who broke in a revolt in 4 BC, just years, decades before, crucified 2,000 Jews and put them on the way and the road to Galilee. They understood when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, it's not just some trivial thing like, hey, join my team. Hey, vote for me. Hey, be my friend. This is a slap to the face saying, carry your cross and give up the life that you think you own. Several times, Jesus gives us command through the gospel of Luke and through all four gospels, the command of cross-bearing, which means following him in all that you are and all that you have. And here, Jesus goes on to illustrate the point in the following verses, using three different parables that illustrate the same concept, the discipleship, but there's still goals. Verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Here we see the first illustration. Most, if not all of Jesus' followers, had no concept, had no financial wherewithal to build an actual tower. It's like, how many of you are going to go build a shopping mall after church today? <laughs> Hopefully, maybe some of you, actually, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. maybe you're going to go build a shopping mall. This idea, though, of pre-planning of selecting a site, of getting the resources you need to build it is essential. And the point seems a little bit ridiculous, but it's like the homeowner who today who strings out their Christmas lights and places the wrong end near the outlet. You know, you understand that. It takes pre-thought. It takes some sort of idea. And what the point is, 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 is your goals measurable and are they possible? Our goals measurable and possible. Over and over and over, those in the corporate world call them SMART goals. It's an acronym. 
And we don't know what the acronym stands for, but we call them a SMART goal. We all just know what it means. Is it achievable? Is there a measurement of that? If I'm going to read the Bible in a year, do I get to the end of the Bible by the end of the year? If I'm going to become a deeper follower in Christ, is there some sort of measurable way? And even financially, which is what this whole sermon series talks about, we use the idea of a tithe, this 10% all the time in church, even though Jesus says, give all that you have to follow him. Why do we use that 10%? Well, it's easy. It's easy to use 10%. If Jesus, if a tithe was 11%, we'd all have calculators out, right? 10% is really easy. I just drop the zero and the decimal and I move it over or whatever that math thing is. This idea of tithing and having a measurable and possible goal revolves around your finances too. And he continues, verse 31, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Again, the listeners have no concept of being king and going to war. Hopefully none of you do either. Yet the point again resounds that the focus and preparation are key. The second point is this. What supports and limitations are in place for your goals? If I have 10,000 troops or 10,000 whatever it is in my life and another person has 20, that's a limitation. I shouldn't go and attack that other person. Or as an analogy may go, I should maybe think through before I just kind of flippantly go through 2023 saying I'm going to do this or that. Can I even do it with the community around me? Or is the goal that I set so low and achievable, like a funny pun joke that I thought was awesome, <laughs> is it so low that maybe you should consider ramping it up again? I can connect with God in a variety of different places in my life. And all the time I hear people say, I connect God with, best with God in nature, and this is not nature. We have a fake tree over there. We have some garlands showing about. This is not nature. Yes, you can, but do you go to nature to connect with God or you go to nature to be in nature? All the time people say, I connect God best when I'm watching this or I'm doing this or I'm playing golf. And those are great places to connect with God. You absolutely can. Yet, 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 do you go to those places and do those things to connect with God? The supports and limitations in your life spiritually are sitting right here around you right now. And some of you need to lean more into that. And some of you need to understand the limitations in this particular year that maybe I can't read through the Bible in a year. Jesus continues, verse 34, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the, is, sorry, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This last section, contextually, we believe probably he says this to his inner group instead of the whole gathering of people, including his enemies, the Pharisees. And he uses this quote from Isaiah over and over and over, whoever has ears, let him hear, as a sign of the end of a thought or a phrase. And he uses this to illustrate this point. Goals are great, but worthless without success. Salt is good, loses its saltiness. Throw it out. You can have a goal in place for your 2023, but if you don't achieve it, it just becomes a fun thing. And yes, many of our New Year's resolutions can be fun things. But it's this idea of having a campfire that I used to work at this camp 
where you only have smoke coming up and no actual fire. You ever had one of those before? That's what these goals kind of turn into. I was famous for picking out the worst wet wood that I would douse in gasoline, I'd light a match, and the gasoline would go up and then just smoke. And nobody likes smoke at a campfire. You only like the campfire part. You like the fire, not the smoke. When we have these goals and we don't have success in achieving them, just a bunch of smoke. And here now I get to sound a little bit like a jerk as I'm beginning to land the plane in this sermon. How could you get closer to Jesus in 2023, friends? Not just flippant ways saying, I'm gonna do X, Y, or Z, but how can I actually lean in with strategy, with support and limitations, and with a commitment? Most of our 2023 goals involve health, diet, habits, other focuses. But what if your focus, habits, diet, and health included your discipleship? Now, I'm not suggesting a year of living biblically by eating bugs and wearing camel fur. (laughs) Some of you may do that. Please don't. What I am asking is if your goals could include your faith life as equally as your earthly one. Your faith life could include goals as equally as your earthly one. And here is how you know if you're committed. You invest in it. I know that people who have a goal of losing X amount of weight are more successful if they join a gym and go to that gym. You know why? Because at the gym, you exercise. You work out and you say, well, yeah, duh. Because investment of your own finances and of your own person show that you're going to achieve that goal more easily, more fully. Similarly, if I'm going to end a habit like chewing my fingernails or whatever it may be, you hire people, counselors, you get Band-Aids and Band-Aid your fingernails up so you have the support that is infinitely more successful than those who just say it flippantly saying, I have a goal to do X, Y, Z and have no intention of fulfilling that goal. Invest in the goals that you have for 2023. And that also includes the church. The church is uniquely positioned to be a resource, a one-on-one trainer, and a group accountability builder to grow your faith. Through worship, through growth groups, through serving in our community in a variety of different ways, and serving even overseas, you can invest both physically and your financial resources. You will see a change in 2023. That payday that you have and are looking for for your spiritual growth will be multiplied. And so, in effect, I've now argued with myself around because Pascal, though he wagered on the life to come saying that's all it was about, you also get something in this life when you follow Christ. You get so much in terms of your own spiritual and individual growth. Now, I also want to highlight briefly that there are churches who will use the individual financial gain, this prosperity gospel, the idea that if you give, you'll get back. That may or may not happen. And I want to tell you that people who use that as a ploy to get more money, either earthly wealth or saying there's going to be some sort of conditioned healing because of your giving, they blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's a huge issue. E3 is not going to use Jesus as some sort of investment tool. No, instead, we see our financial offering for letting the kingdom work as an all-call, an in-call, sorry, an all-in-call to our attenders wanting to see the kingdom of God grown in 2023 and for all eternity. As you set forth your goals in the coming year, consider discipleship of Jesus. How can you reroute your focus, your energy, your community into greater spiritual success than ever before? As we transition now, I want to 
highlight Julie May, who's gonna lead us in a liturgy to help us focus that as a community. Will you please stand and follow her? As the dawn breaks on a new year, let us give thanks for all we hold dear, our health, our family, and our friends. Let us keep God in our hearts and to chant God's name each day. Let us lead the world from darkness to light, from falsehood to truth, from wrong to right. Let us remember that we are all one, discriminating against none. May your year be filled with peace, prosperity, and love. May God's blessing shower upon you and bestow upon each of you a bright, healthy, and peaceful new year.